now tuned in to the Meesey Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. Getters, welcome to the Meesey Muse Unplug podcast show. For episode 24, we will be doing a segment that I call AMA Ask Me Anything. And if this is your first time tuning in, AMAs are when I have the utmost pleasure to connect with a seasoned consultant and talk about their journey to greatness. Today's guest we have is Naresh Vesa. Little bit about Naresh he's a millennial consultant, CEO, and founder of. Krish Media Marketing, as well as a best-selling author. And he actually takes go-getters, what I call the, the road less traveled in consulting. He turned down an offer from a reputable big four firm, decided to venture into the world of startups, then created his own firm and doing all types of amazing stuff. Most recently, he's forging into political consulting, which I found very intriguing. So we have a conversation about that. We have a conversation about some of the things that he's seeing out in the entrepreneurial space. Really cool conversation. And what's really cool is Naresh came on the show and he showed up with gifts. So he, he actually uh, gave us a couple of um, links to free audiobooks of his two, of his two best-selling books. And so if you go to my website, macymuse.com, you go to the show notes for today's episode, you can check it out. So he's got two books. One is called Podcastonomics, The Book of Podcasting. And the second book is uh, 50 Shades of Marketing. So check it out. You'll uh, be able to download those immediately and start listening to them. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line, macymuseunplugged at gmail.com. Stay tuned for next week for episode 25 when I get a chance to connect with another seasoned consultant and we have a conversation about the psychology of decision making. Uh, And go-getters, if you're like myself, you always want to try to make the best decision with the best information and data and circumstances that you have in front of you. And so what I really like about our com- my conversation with my guest next week is that she breaks down a really cool kind of technique and she's actually studied decisions analysis at Stanford and, and has some really cool kind of points of views that you can start to take and use in your personal and professional uh, life. So stay tuned for the conversation next week on decision-making. So with that, let's get started. Naresh, thank you for joining us on the Misi News Unplug. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Christy. Coming to you from Tampa Bay. Wow. So did Tampa get hit with the hurricanes? Tampa was, it was hit. It was not as big as expected. It really was kind of like a short-term super thunderstorm. Not much flooding, but a decent amount, amount of rain over a about 10-hour period. Very strong winds, so trees fell over. But the city certainly got spared compared to South Florida, which I was visiting just last week. And you can certainly see the destruction that that they had and all the people without power well it sounds like you 
you really fared out well with all of the the hurricanes and the there's been a lot lot in the news a lot happening in the world so glad that you were safe well thanks again for joining us on today's show i guess before we kind of get started with the interview if you can take a moment and introduce yourself to the go-getters of the macy news unplugged my name is naresh vissa i am the founder and ceo of krish media and marketing I'm also the number one best-selling author of two books on online and digital media and marketing called 50 Shades on Marketing, Whip Your Business into Shape and Dominate Your Competition, and Podcastnomics, the book of podcasting to make you millions. Chris Media and Marketing is a company I founded about four and a half years ago. So I've been completely on my own since then. I was in my mid-20s when I got started, and it's essentially an online business solutions provider and agency. It's an online agency that offers pretty much any service you can think of in the online space with the exception of mobile app development. I've also, or I am also a partner in several online publishing businesses, specifically online financial publishing, and getting started or really adding to my set of experience, getting started in real estate investing and political consulting. What a rich background that you have, Naresh. So I guess to to jump right into the interview, maybe if we can kind of take a step back, if you can tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got started with your with your company with Krish Media Marketing. I understand that you you actually had a, a a role or job offer at a consulting firm and you turned it down to start the company. So maybe you can share a little bit about that story. Yeah. So Christy, I went, this is a question that goes all the way back to when I was in high school. So when I was in high school, I was editor of the school paper. I was also broadcasting high school football and basketball games. I wanted to work in the sports industry specifically as a media professional, whether it was a journalist, a PR person, a broadcaster, et cetera. So I went to, I applied to colleges with the intention of getting a major in journalism, specifically broadcasting at the time more online and digital journalism. That's where it seemed, the trend seemed to be going online. This was more than 10 years ago. So I did end up going to school, got a degree in online and digital journalism, but also picked up two other majors, finance and accounting, while I was an undergrad. You know, my belief, Christy, and and I get this question a lot about the rising costs of college and is it worth it? And I say, you go to college, yeah, you can have fun, make friends, but really take your your studies seriously and try to get as many majors as possible. It might look, it's funny how many employers thought I was unfocused for doing three different majors, but it really exposes you to more industries. It opens more doors. It makes you more knowledgeable. It develops a good work ethic in you. And I think all this helped me in becoming an entrepreneur because you have to, as an entrepreneur, you're not just starting a business. You're not just you know, creating a product, you are the, you are the marketing department, you are the HR department, you are the accounting department, you're every department within your company, especially when you're just getting started. And so I went to school with the intention of working in the media industry, which I did as a reporter, producer, director, journalist, in print, online, digital, TV, radio, you name it. 
And I just, the industry changed so much post-financial crisis. So I went back to graduate school, got a master's degree from a leading business school in, in the country. And that was my introduction into management consulting because the big management consulting firms only recruit from, let's say, the top 15 to 20 business schools or so. So I was introduced to management consulting, went through the management consulting interview process with various big firms, ended up getting a couple of job offers, doing management consulting, both internal management consulting at large fortune companies, you know, Fortune 500, Inc. 5000 companies, and also at management consulting firms, big four management consulting firms. So I like that a lot better than, let's say, investment banking or, you know, working on Wall Street because it seemed more challenging. But surprisingly, a company, a, I guess you can say not necessarily a small business, but they, they did hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue annually. They found me online. They found me on LinkedIn. And they contacted me and said, we want to hire you based on your LinkedIn profile to consult for us on a project that we are looking to get started on. Can you talk today? So talked to them that day, was hired that day as a consultant. And that gig, while I was finishing up graduate school, turned into a full-time job. So I did end up turning down the management consulting position that I had actually already accepted. Turned that down, joined this company and worked at the company full-time for a couple of years and then started Krish Media Marketing about four and a half years ago. And the rest is, is kind of history. So when you turned down the offer and decided to go with the other company, can you maybe share like what were some of the what were some of the factors that really kind of drove those decisions? You know, specifically, I think about go-getters out there that are at that crossroads. They may be kind of at in their same position where they're kind of torn, not sure where to go, gotten offers, maybe in the throes of recruiting. What would be, you know, some factors that made, you know, helped you make your decisions that you can share with the listeners? Well, Christy, I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm about to say, but the first thing that that people need to look at is the money. And not because of how much is coming through your wallet or your bank account, but because generally, the more money somebody is going to pay you, the more that person believes in you or the more responsibility they're going to give you. So in this case, yes, I did get a better offer. And the management consulting companies do provide both. Well, the management consulting companies do provide very good offers for kids out of school. I don't want to put that down by any means. Now, the position I got was an internal managed or that I accepted was an internal management consulting role for a large Wall Street bold bracket bank. So this was post-financial crisis. They had made some acquisitions. If people remember, there were lots of banks that went under or were failing and they were bought up. So I was going to be a part of that management consulting integration team that took care of, of many of these acquisitions or that you know consulted on many of these different acquisitions. And so I actually was able to circumnavigate, say, about two or three years by joining an internal management consulting group because I was going to be working with a lot of ex-Big Four folks and also some ex 
consultants who worked at other well-known management consulting firms, whether in accounting or technology or pure management consulting. But again, going back to the money, the offer I got from the from the other company, it was a much smaller company. It didn't have a brand name, not as well-known. They were a small business. They had less than, at the time, probably less than 100 employees when I was hired. But they gave me a much better offer. And because they gave me a much better offer, they gave me a whole lot of responsibility. I was the first ever, or sorry, I was the youngest director in that company's history. So they gave me a director title because I was the project manager of the project that I was consulting on while I was finishing school. And then they gave me a lot of autonomy and freedom when it came to vacation, working from home, bonuses, etc. So I thought to myself, you know what, let's just let's give this a try. They're not the brand name that I'm used to or that that I went to graduate school to to attain. But if it doesn't work out for any reason, I can always go back. I can always go back to the the bank or the management consultancy or wherever and work that same job. So that was a tap that I took on and it ended up paying dividends and, and changing the trajectory of my career forever without a doubt. Today's episode is brought to you on behalf of the Misi Muse. A hundred plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants. A book by Christy Lindor. Written in the voice of a mentor, the Misi Muse provides insights on the unwritten rules of great consultants. A perfect read for new or aspiring consultants. Christy dives into her 15 plus years of consulting experience while sharing interviews and anecdotes from over 50 consulting partners and leaders that represents thought leadership from 80% of the top 10 consulting firms in the world. Pre-sale begins shortly. Sign up at www.mecmuse.com. So when you reflect on that decision, and, and as you mentioned, it did pan out, what would be some some lessons learned you know, from it that you would kind of share in terms of advice of, of how it helped you turning it down, knowing, like you said, I, I like the fact that you said you knew it wasn't a name brand. And I think sometimes younger, you know, consultants or even, you know, people that are aspiring to be consultants, they really strive for, for the name brand. But the fact is you saw it was the opportunity kind of outweigh the name and given what the experience and the autonomy and, and that you were given. So, so given that, what would be some of the lessons learned that you would share with with someone? Now, in hindsight, you have your own company. Well, first off, there was risk in in what I did, and the risk was number one, I had to renege on on a contract that I signed with this bolt bracket company or the the management consulting position. And reneging is an issue for students, not necessarily with seasoned veterans, because it happens all the time. People leave all the time for various reasons. But reneging is a big deal really with the university. So I went to Duke University and I was very transparent about what was going on. I told the Career Center and the folks there that that I got a better opportunity and I stated my reasons and I think my advice to people is that they have to do what's best for them. And as a student, you're very naive. You haven't worked a day in your life. You don't know anything about negotiating or even loyalty. You have to do what's best for you. 
you can't accept a job that pays you half of what another job might give you and say, oh, you know, I need to be loyal to whoever it is and, you know, stay at this, at this job. So one lesson that I learned is you have to do what's best for you because what, when you do what's best for you, you're actually doing what's best for everyone involved. So had I stayed at the original company, there's a good chance that I would have gotten burnt out or I may not have been as happy or, you know, I would not have been able to execute on on what I signed up for. And so I'm really, really happy looking back that I didn't take that job because I've realized over the years that I'm not a corporate guy. I am not one who deals well with bureaucracy. I need to be either working for myself or working with a a smaller company that does well. I'm just not very... I tried the whole corporate thing at major bolt racket banks, major media firms. And personally, while it may have worked out you know, on the performance review or with other colleagues, personally, I just did not find much meaning in that type of work. So highly, highly recommend that people, when they're looking for positions or for jobs, they keep all their options open and they be as transparent as possible with folks. I want to pivot slightly. I mean, there's just so much with your your background and and the the different things you've done, which is pretty pretty great. I understand that you also helped the Houston Rockets pick their 2007-2008 NBA draft picks. I am so intrigued by that. Like I would love to hear the story of how that happened. Well, I brought up earlier my interest in sports and getting involved in the sports industry. So I was just an intern 2007, 2008. I was an intern for the Houston Rockets. It was a remote position. So the Houston Rockets actually revolutionized the basketball, the sport of basketball because of their use of statistical analysis to aid in their decision making. So they actually hired some folks who specialize in data science and computer science because they took this effort very, very seriously. And so part of that meant that they had to hire a bunch of unpaid interns to log data, to essentially watch video, a lot of video, and log data on how many threes a player took or you know how the player acts in pick and roll coverage or where this player takes his shots. They looked at all sorts of data. And so I was basically one of those minions who was logging a certain set of data and providing that data to the the general manager and the senior vice president of basketball operations. So they could essentially get that data, put it into the models and evaluate players accordingly. So it was an online, a digital remote position. It didn't require me to go anywhere, to travel, to, to watch in person. Everything was was in a software, which at the time, they were one of the only users of this software. Now, I think all 30 teams use this software. So that's how I got involved with the Houston Rockets and the players who I tracked and also recommended ended up being selected by the, the Rockets in the 2007 and 2008 NBA drafts. So go-getters out there, as you can hear, internships like that do exist. And so <laughs> I think the lessons that, and, the, and what I'm hearing from the story is like, don't don't underestimate when you see an a internship may be remote. Because I think if 
you know, people feel like, well, they're not getting kind of in-person experience. That doesn't always necessarily mean that it's not as valuable. So I think that that was kind of the takeaway I had from your story. That is a really, really good point. People do not think about the remote and digital possibilities that are out there. And I'm a digital guy, and we're going to get a little more into it. But the online and digital economy has grown. It is it is the present, and it'll continue to be the future. So no, you don't have to go into an office to work. Even if it's a physical game like basketball, where fans... They make money by fans going into the stadium and watching the players and the players are physically there and shooting a ball into a hoop. You can still absolutely get an internship or even a job by working remotely. And the question that some of your listeners might have would be, well, how how did you get, how did you get this internship? How did you, that's the hard part. It's uh, how did you make the connections? How did you get your foot in the door? And I actually, it was a mix of things. I knew some people who who knew the front office at the Houston Rockets. I also just blindly reached out, not blindly, but just randomly reached out via email, introducing myself to the assistant general manager who had just been hired. And he's now the, the general manager and president of basketball operations. And he has been for the last five or six years. So that's how I just... I found his email address and just emailed him and welcomed him to the city when he was hired. And when he was promoted to general manager about a year later, I already had the in. And he was, in fact, when I when I even went to a game, I shot him a note saying, hey, I'm going to be at this game. Feel free to stop by. This is where I'm sitting. And he actually did. He came, stopped by, talked to me for 10 or 15 minutes. And that's how I got my foot in the door as a high school student. You mentioned digital and kind of the state of digital. I guess we can we can go there now since that was a nice kind of segue. You know, Naresh, like what are some of the thoughts you have on the state of, of digital just from your expertise and experience being in, in kind of media marketing? Would love to hear kind of your your sound bites on on how go-getters should start to prepare for that. Right now, the big buzzwords, right? So you hear like future of work, you hear a lot around like blockchain and, and AI and, and all of these, all of these, this stuff. What would be some things, you know, if you're, if you're younger looking to prepare for the future from a digital perspective, how would you say folks should do that? Well, digital is, in, in my opinion, a very, very good thing. And it's getting a lot of criticism moving forward because there's a fear. There is a fear of jobs being destroyed and job replacement. And let me tell you, Christy, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. What I do today with Chris Media Marketing, with my books, with with my businesses, none of this was available 20 years ago. My job did not exist 20 years ago. And 20 years from now, my job is going to be completely different than what it is today. And that's a good thing. When I tell you that my job did not exist 20 years ago, but today it did, that shows progress. Now, are there jobs that got, that aren't, you know, in, that that just aren't available today because the economy doesn't allow it? Absolutely. But you look at what technology has done Technology has created the Ubers and look at how many jobs Uber has created when it just comes to independent contractors driving people that did not exist six, seven years ago. You look at the iPhone, which came out 10 years ago, 
and look at what the iPhone, the ecosystem, the iPhone has created, whether it's, you know, the iPhone created Uber, the iPhone created Snapchat, but it's also the, the email stuff, the apps, the Siri and the internet. And the iPhone has done so much to improve lives personally but also improve the way businesses is conducted and, and executed. So technology, online, digital, those are all good things. I want to state that artificial intelligence is going to be the future and it's going to hit us very hard for the better, I think. Artificial intelligence basically is going to replace any functions that act as memory devices, or any functions that perform perfunctory tasks. So what I mean by that is, for example, let's say you are a a doctor. A doctor is essentially, particularly a physician, is somebody who is collecting a lot of quantitative and qualitative information, and then making a judgment based on that information. A lot of these positions, even in medicine, which is considered to be one of the stablest positions of all, they're going to downsize. They're not going to be eliminated altogether, but they're going to downsize because you will be able to have a computer performing these information processing and perfunctory tasks. And let's just face it, we all use computers If we use our phones, we use our computers, we do that because the computer does so much for us. When we put an address into our GPS, for the most part, the GPS will get us to the place where we want to go. We could just blindly get into our car and start driving, but we would have no idea what we're doing. We trust the GPS. Is the GPS wrong sometimes? Yeah, once in a while, I'd say probably 5% of the time it hasn't been updated or it's an old address or it's a new address and the GPS can be wrong. But in general, computers, they are good. They're not people. They don't have emotions. They don't get angry. In the case of self-driving cars, the computer, the autonomous vehicle, the computer isn't going to get drunk. The computer isn't going to get tired while going on a 10-hour road trip. So these are just examples of the future of artificial intelligence and the future of of online and digital business. Now, what's going to happen? We're going to be replaced by computers. Yes, certain jobs are going to be replaced by computers. But to give you some examples, when, for example, when the bank, when banks came out with ATM machines, it was assumed that the ATM machines would put bank tellers out of business. And they could even put just regular bankers out of business as well. Well, the bank said, let's give it a shot. It's a lot cheaper to just open up an ATM and have people get their cash from there. What ended up happening was all these ATMs opened up, they were created, people started using them, and the banks had to hire more people, not to manage the ATM, but because these people were interested in other services that the bank had to offer, whether it was opening up a savings account or opening up a CD or getting a loan from you know a mortgage loan or a small business loan. So the, the ATM essentially served as a lead generator, and then the bank was able to cross-promote those customers. And so 
yes, they reduced the number of people who worked as bank tellers, but they actually increased their workforces more because there was more demand for other products. So what I'm saying here, Christy, is that technology is a good thing. And if you work at a job where you're not using technology or where you're not online, you're not getting involved digitally, you need to catch up because that's where we are today. And if you're not active in the future using such media, then you're going to be in big trouble. Your industry is going to be in big trouble. And there are countless examples of Blockbuster, for example, getting completely obliterated by the Netflixes of the world because they said, oh, that's who's going to go online to watch movies? You know, why would somebody want to pay a, a monthly subscription to watch movies and TV shows? Xerox Corporation, the auto industry, there are all sorts of here in the United States, there are all sorts of industries and companies that did not adapt to online and digital. And they're either paying for it right now or they're not even in business anymore. Hey, go-getters. Have feedback on today's show? Questions on consulting? Want to be a guest? We'd love to hear from you. Just drop us a line at mecmuseunplugged at gmail. That's mecmuseunplugged at gmail.com. You can also show us your support by downloading episodes, spreading the word to friends and family, or leaving us a review. Remember, Meesey Muse Unplugged is a pop-up podcast, which means we'll stick around as long as we continue to hear from you. Thank you for your support. Now back to today's show. I'm actually going to pivot from my last question for our interview. You mentioned right in in the beginning of your intro about political consulting. I, I find that so intriguing. And it sounds like you're you're making you're looking to maybe make a transition in this space. Maybe you can you can give us a little bit more about kind of what what you're thinking. And I think you also have a potentially have a book coming out. Maybe share a little bit about with the listeners. The political consulting is something that kind of just has fallen into my lap and I want to explore it. So even starting my business, Krish Media and Marketing, it just fell into my lap. It's not something that I, I woke up saying, you know, I want to start my own business and do my own thing. In the case of political consulting, with my background in, in online and digital, it's not applicable just to businesses. It's applicable to people and to politics as well. And we'll see in our most recent elections, really 2008 through 2016, the role of online and digital was, I don't want to say the deciding factor in the outcomes of those elections, but the candidates who utilize online and digital platforms were the ones who, who ended up winning. So Obama, President Obama was the first major political candidate to actively run social media and connect with his followers and also really, really utilize solid email marketing. And in my book, 50 Shades of Marketing, I get into more detail about how the Obama campaign, you know, it, it wasn't him, but the people who were running the campaign, they did a tremendous job of collecting leads via email and also connecting with those leads and getting them to go out there and vote. So he really kind of jump-started the entire idea of the digitization of the political process. And then in 2016, we had Trump who basically took what Obama did 
did the same thing and then added a more personal element to it with social media and being incredibly active on social media and connecting with not just his followers, but also his detractors with social media. And he's still doing it as as president, for better or for worse. And so really the point is, a lot of old school, good old boys networks in Washington, D.C., they know next to nothing about online and digital. They don't have websites. They don't know what a podcast is. They have no idea how to create a mailing list. Just the way things are done in D.C., the idea of getting so many congressmen and congresswomen into a building to vote on something or to debate something. It's very old school. It's very archaic. It's antiquated. There's no, there's really no point in doing that. So based on what I've learned with my experiences and successes and failures in online and digital media and marketing, e-commerce business, I think a lot of these principles are applicable in the political sphere. And so as a result, as mentioned earlier, a lot of this has just kind of fallen into my lap. I've been contacted by various former politicians, former political advisors on both sides, or really on, on many different sides of the political spectrum, on essentially doing online and digital work for them, whether it's rebranding rebranding themselves because of a a scandal that got them removed from office. Or if it's, hey, I want to start my own podcast. I'm my political career is done and I want to stay active. Can I start my own podcast? Or I want to write a book about my experiences. How do I do that if if none of the big publishers think I'm worthy enough to publish through them? And so that's what I'm doing, working with a couple of people. And then yes, I do have a book coming out at the one year anniversary. And it is already somewhat of a controversial book. It's not meant to be, it wasn't meant to be too controversial a book, but the book is called Trump Book. And that's a play on words to reference Facebook. So it's called Trump Book. The subtitle is How Digital Liberals Silenced a Nation into Making America Hate Again. So the idea is, <laughs> the idea is, is taking a really, really strong look at data that is publicly available about the role that digital media played and digital platforms played in getting President Trump elected. And and what I found was that it was not actually Trump's supporters who or his voters who got him elected. It was really his detractors. And the bulk of those detractors were people on online and digital media. They were also in the mainstream media. And there were, there was a little bit of grassroots resistance as well. But online and digital played an incredible, incredible role in generating free publicity for Donald Trump, in generating basically an equal but opposite reaction that ended up getting him elected. And so anybody who looked at the data, the the nitty gritty data would have told you that he would have been elected president. But the day after the election or the night of the election, there was almost a shock within the country because so many people did not expect it. But the data would have told you otherwise. I cannot wait for that book to come out. (laughs) I'm like excited about (laughs) it. So the title is very intriguing, first of all, Naresh, but I think just to your point around kind of the rise of digitization and people not realizing the convergence that's taking place in all industries. I think 
that's just a prime example. So I, I, I really, I really can't wait to see kind of where your book goes with it. So I, I wish you the best with, with the political consulting services and the book. And I would love to have you come back on a show. I feel like there's just so much more we can cover. Hopefully you'd be, you'd be interested in coming on the show in the future. Absolutely. When, when the book comes out, I'm like, we can just talk about like just the digitization of politics alone, I think is a huge, huge topic. So Yeah. And Chrissy, I'll also say right now, the work that I'm doing with some of these political folks and former politicians is very basic online and digital stuff. But I'm not saying that I have any interest in in getting involved as as a candidate or anything. But as a, a consultant, as a hopeful political consultant, my strategy is these candidates need to go digital. Washington, needs to find ways to cut back on spending, cut back on travel and hotel and expenses and food and all that. They can still accomplish everything they need to do by going digital and they can save a lot of money. It would be more efficient. More would get done when it comes to legislation or just lawmaking in general. It's just these people don't know anything. I mean, they when I say they don't know it, you would be surprised. These are supposed to be our leaders who know everything. And when it comes to online and digital, they know next to nothing. And they're wasting so much money on on both sides. They're wasting money as a result. And so that's part of the reason that that got me involved, because I've gone through some political leadership programs here in Tampa Bay. I've seen how how things operate, parties aside, politics aside. And this is something that that needs to be done. The, The adoption has taken longer than any other industry. And so that's why I really want to to enter into this political consulting space. So if people are trying to get a hold of you, Naresh, would you be able to give contact information? We'll post it on the on our site as well in our show notes, but share how people can get a hold of you. Two websites, NareshVissa.com, N-A-R-E-S-H-V-I-S-S-A, my first name and last name, NareshVissa.com. Get on my newsletter, my free newsletter. It's free. I share tips and tricks on the online and digital space. And if you get on my newsletter, you'll receive a welcome letter. If you don't receive it for any reason, just email me. And I will send you guys a free copy or free copies of my upcoming book, Trump Book. I will send a free copy of the book to you. And then if you're interested in my company, Krish Media Marketing, krishmediamarketing.com krishmediamarketing.com it has all the information you need to know about the company what we do the services we offer etc you know it's funny you you said the name of the book again and i just had like a kind of a vision of seeing you like on the bill Maher show or something talking about that book. I, <laughs> I, I can i can see it it just seems like something that would be kind of in his wheelhouse so i know the book was going to do fantastic well i i hope so it it's one of those things where A friend of mine actually gave me the lead the day after the election. He called me up and he said, are you seeing what's happening on Facebook? And I said, yeah, I'm seeing, I've been watching all day what's happening. And he said, I want you to do something about it. I don't know what, but this is interesting stuff and you need to look into it and just do something. So that was a genesis. And I spent really the last year working on it. And it finally comes out in about two months or actually next month, the one year anniversary of the election. So I'm excited about it. I appreciate the support. So go-getters, if you have a particular question or feedback about today's show, feel free to drop us a line at unplugged at gmail.com. 
I'd again like to thank Naresh for being a guest on today's show. And thank you, my go-getters, for tuning in. This is Christy Lindor signing out for the Misi Muse Unplugged pop-up podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for new episodes syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.misimuse.com for more information. We'll be right back.